Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am always excited when I get brothers around the studio table. And today, I've got one of my favorite segments, at least two Jews and a Gentile. And today, we have a very full house, so I'm excited that everyone is uh, present and ready uh, for a lively hour. I've got uh, Pastor Matt Fry, Pastor Aaron Broughton, Trevor Rubenstein, and uh, Tom Berkowitz. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Uh, again, it's lovely. So today I would really love to talk about Hanukkah, and I know it's uh, probably one of the best-known Jewish holidays, but I don't want to say much beyond that because I'm in the presence of uh, men who really know what they're talking about. Well, Hanukkah's uh, story for today, it's all about assimilation. The Greek king Antiochus IV wanted to assimilate Israel into Greek culture. He wanted to replace anything that had to do with Judaism and replace it with the Greek gods. In fact, he wanted to um, sacrifice a pig on the altar. And so it's relevant for us today because our culture wants us to assimilate into it. And if we don't, they're harsh. And they're hostile towards us. So that's my overview, but there's a whole lot more. Yeah, so uh, so as we continue through the, uh, through the Hanukkah narrative, um, as uh, Antiochus uh, determined that he was going to force the Jewish people with extreme brutality to eliminate the worship of their God mm-hmm. and uh, start worshiping and becoming more um, Greek, as Tom expressed beautifully, he would... Uh, he would even uh, so much as kill um, children that were circumcised, according to the to the uh, uh, to the what the Jewish people were instructed to do with their male children. He would take those children and hang them dead around their mothers' necks. I mean, it was brutal. Um, but uh, a group of individuals um, that are called the Maccabees are the ones that then their priests actually um, that that uh, gathered up to institute a rebellion against the Greek ruling power. And, uh, and so they, they started this, for, this under an individual by the name of Mattathias. He was the father, um, eventually got passed down to his son, Judas. Uh, and uh, Maccabees, the Maccabee really means hammer, and so that, that had to do with the, uh, the approach and the strength of the people. Um, and they rebelled against the Greek Empire and actually had a successful rebellion. But uh, the, the Hanukkah tradition comes in specifically through a part of the rebellion revolving around the freeing of the temple. Thank you for that, Trevor. That's very interesting. So now we got to the word Hanukkah itself. What does it mean? I, there's probably a lot of people, you hear, hear this a lot. Some people think that Hanukkah is like the Jewish Christmas it, it's around the same time of year, but it's really two different events, two different stories that are involved. But the word Hanukkah itself means dedication. 
And the idea is that uh, as the Maccabees were victorious over the Greeks, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes was dethroned, uh, cast away, and uh, they go to the temple, they find it desecrated. And as the story goes, they found uh, the oil, a jar of oil that was to light the menorah, the holy menorah in the, in, the, uh, in the temple. And there was only enough oil to last for one day. And so as the story goes, it takes eight days to purify the oil to make it. But you only have one jar, only good enough for one day. So Miracle of Miracles didn't last for one day or two days. It lasted for eight days. Therefore, you have the eight days of Hanukkah. There's some debate if that story is actually true or not, but nonetheless, it's tied into this. And so the question is this, the miracle of Hanukkah, is it really the oil lasting for eight days, or is it even the victory that God gave to the Jewish people over their oppressors? And so that is, in a nutshell, the celebration day. And so there's many ways that uh, Jewish friends um, uh, celebrate Hanukkah today. And uh, I'll turn it over to Matt to explain Well, before that. we turn yep. it to Matt, I just want to say to my Jewish brothers and friends, the Gentile just did the definition of Hanukkah. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Uh, well, I got to tell you, I told a friend none of us speak Hebrew around him because he's fluent. And, <laughs> and we would sound just like Jesus if he grew up in North Minneapolis with a speech impediment in Hebrew. So he did. <laughs> It all works out. But one thing before (laughs) you turn it over to Matt, the thing I loved about Hanukkah, we had eight days. We finally upended the Gentiles. There's only one day of Christmas until you hear the song, (laughs) the 12 days of Christmas. And once again, Mm -hmm. they upend us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Pastor Matt Fry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you guys were talking about this, I'm thinking about, okay, how is this relevant to us uh, as followers of Jesus, why, why does this matter? And and the thing that many people don't know is the only uh, clear place in Scripture where we see Hanukkah being celebrated is in the New Testament. It's in John chapter 10, where Jesus is in Jerusalem for, it says in most of our translations, uh, the Feast of Dedication. And uh, as Aaron said, uh, Hanukkah means dedication or inauguration. So if we didn't know that, uh, then we wouldn't catch it. But that's why he's there. And while it is a little bit of a, a smaller holiday uh, in Jesus' day, it is the most recent, significant historical uh, victory for the Jewish people that they would have been looking back at. It's about 170 years uh, prior to Jesus' incarnation. And so even for us, when we think about, okay, what was a, a big uh, victory for us in the United States? Maybe some of us will go back all the way to like the Revolutionary War, right, and, and all that time. But for Jesus and the rest of the Jewish community, they're looking back and saying, okay, when was the last time we had our independence? And and by Jesus' time, they're under the oppression of Rome. So for them, that would have been the time during the Hanukkah uh, season, right, the Hanukkah story. And so uh, it's a big deal uh, for, for the Jewish community. It is one that uh, even if you are not super observant, uh, that that you pay homage to, that you recognize that it has some place even culturally probably uh, in your home. And so we at Grafted just did a, a Hanukkah party and, and we did uh, a number of things that are traditionally done in the Jewish community. And so uh, one of those has to do with uh, lighting the menorah, which most people are familiar with. Uh, it Technically, it's called a Hanukkah because it has uh, some extra candles and a typical menorah would, uh, but it has... Uh, eight can- it has nine candles technically, but eight that you light for the eight days, and they represent, as Aaron was saying, the the uh, eight days of the uh, legend or or so told uh, miracle of the oil lasting during that time. There's there's also an interesting overlap uh, between 
Hanukkah and the holiday of tabernacles. Um, you know, we, we ask, okay, why is there the theme of light with Hanukkah? How does this all play out? Uh, well, it seems to be that during the period between the Testaments when the events, the historical events of Hanukkah took place, uh, they they said, okay, we're rededicating the temple. Okay, so what is the most recent holiday to us? And one of the most recent holidays to them in, in their regular uh, Jewish calendar would have been uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is in fact uh, goes over a span of about eight days. And so there's this eight-day theme. And in fact, when you look at Scripture, uh, when Solomon builds the temple and he's he's dedicating it, he's preparing it to be ready, this also happens over a span of eight. Uh, and so when we're looking at all of this taking place, it makes sense that Hanukkah also takes place over eight days. And so we have those eight candles. Uh, and then the other thing is dreidels. Everyone loves dreidels, whether you're Jewish or not. Uh, and on the dreidels are uh, four different Hebrew letters, which kind of serve as an acronym to a phrase, Neskadol Hayasham, which means uh, a great miracle happened there. And so it's recognizing the miracle that Aaron had made reference to. But it's a really joyous time of year. And it's known uh, in kind of the, the historical literature as the festival of lights because we are uh, lighting up the season. We are, we are lighting our menorahs and we're recognizing uh, God's amazing work during that season in uh, preserving and protecting his people, in fact, for us, so that uh, the Messiah could come. Mm-hmm. Now, go to me, there's no accident in scriptures, but one of the other traditions, or you can call it a bubby, bubby mice, a grandma tale, is... After they purified the altar and rebuilt it, they had a dilemma. What do we do with the bricks? The bricks were soiled with the blood of pigs, and they didn't know what to do. So they decided to take the bricks and put them in Solomon's colonnade until the Messiah comes back, and he will tell us what to do with them. In John 10, 22, that Matt alluded to, At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that was an accident. And Jesus told us what we have to do to become lights, and that is to receive him as our Lord and, and Messiah. Then we are called to be salt and light to the world. All right. Should uh, Christians uh, celebrate Hanukkah today? I think I think absolutely, Bill. Uh, the The reality is, if there was no Hanukkah, there'd be no Christmas. I mean, this is the this is the reality of it because it was another attempt by the nations of the world to eliminate the people of Israel, to eliminate the worship of our King, and uh, and Jesus came into a Jewish community that practiced. Judaism that understood the Jewish teachings and the Jewish instructions and uh, in temple worship and the worship of the one true God. All of these things were attempted to be eliminated by the Greeks. Um, so it's really an important time. It's also, it's also important for us to recognize that the Lord preserves the people of Israel. He makes the promise in Jeremiah chapter 31 starting in verse 31 actually is where the new covenant is explained but if you continue within that new covenant promise and the new covenant has to do with the lord preserving the people of israel uh, and uh, and uh, it also has to do with of course having their sins forgiven but this is the statement that it makes in verses 36 and uh, 
or excuse me, 35 and 36. It says, Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day, the ordinance of the moon and the stars for light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me. Basically what God is saying, as in accordance with the New Testament, that as long as there's a sun, as long as there's stars, as long as there's the moon, as long as the sea has waves, that Israel will continue to be a nation before God. Because without Israel being a nation, without Israel being who God called them to be, he can't fulfill his promises. And, uh, and so he, full, he, can, he, per, he keeps them that God keeps the people of Israel. And this is one of the miraculous demonstrations of that is this small little nation called Israel overcame the mighty Greek empire. And like I said in the beginning, where we are today is the world wants us, the church, to assimilate into its beliefs and its teaching. And if you don't, it's hostile, just like the Greeks were back uh 2,100, 2,200 years ago, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. So by celebrating Hanukkah, it reminds us of our obligation to stand up and resist that assimilation, but it does something else. It shows by having faith and trust in the living God that we can overcome any type of of resistance, any type of pressure and persecution we face. So I think it's very relevant. And then from a very carnal point, if you ask my grandkids, it's eight more days that you get a gift. (laughs) Yeah. As advantages. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, you know, when we think about observing this or celebrating it, um, you know, to nuance this, I also don't want to put obligations on people. Right. There's a sense in which we're not obligated to to celebrate it. But there is another sense in which when we're looking at Scripture, if we're watching Jesus, Jesus is there to observe it. Jesus is there to recognize it. And anytime you are doing something, I'm thinking even pastorally, like when we're thinking about uh, any of the Jewish holidays, right? Any any of the you call we call them Moedim on the on the calendar, right? There's there's nothing wrong with taking time. Even if it's something that, you know, if you're uh, not a Jewish believer, let's say you're a Gentile believer and you recognize this is something that happened to the Jewish people. Okay, this wasn't ethnically my people. There is still something that's good about recognizing and remembering what God did for his people throughout history because it doesn't just inform uh, what he did for his people. It informs something about who he is. And that's, I think, what we highlight on Hanukkah, right, that God is the protector, that God is the preserver, that God is the sustainer, and that God has a unique identity in mind for his people. And as Christians, if we have a an appreciation for the Hebraic roots of our Christian faith, this should be a happy time for us to celebrate. Absolutely. I mean, we're celebrating the true light of the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. One thing that's interesting, I think a lot of times, even I, I've read this so many times, the story in John 10, Jesus is at the temple uh, for Hanukkah at the very place where the miracle occurred. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we kind of disconnect from that part of the story. Jesus is there. I mean, great and, point. And uh, the fact of the matter is that, you know, he's challenging the, the Jewish leaders at that time. And they're saying, show us a sign. And, you know, Jesus said, what other signs can I say? They they wanted to clarify a little bit for us. They didn't want it clarity. They, and Jesus challenged them, says, really, your problem is you really don't believe me. I could show you a million miracles. I could give you a thousand teachings, thousand sermons. 
you're still not going to believe. What's one more? And I think so many times, to whether it be our Jewish or Gentile friends, we're confronted with the person of Jesus Christ. You can't be neutral. As C.S. Lewis said, he's either a liar or he's a lunatic or he's Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is the big drawing point that Jesus, in John's uh, gospel, the, the focal point is that these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you would have life through his name. That's the thrust of this. Even the story of Hanukkah, yes, it highlights God's faithfulness, but really our attention should be to Jesus, the light of the world, yeah. and that all men, Jew and Gentile, should be drawn to him. Awesome. All right, we're going to take a little break. We're talking about Hanukkah and also Christmas today with uh, my powerful a panel of brilliant minds and friends. I've got Matt, Aaron, Trevor, and Tom, at least two Jews and a Gentile. We have a full house today, so we have more than two uh, Jewish believers, which makes me very happy. So we're going to take a short break and be right back. Hello, Cheerful Givers. It is always amazing that you live so intentionally and give so sacrificially and are so generous in all that you do, whether it's financial gifts or it's your time and talents and resources God has given you. You are making an incredible difference for the kingdom. And kingdom advances through prayer and giving. And we don't want to have the year end without inviting you to uh, make that end-of-the-year tax deductible gift to help support Faith Radio. Your gift right now keeps us spreading the good news in front of a lot of people. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or giving at myfaithradio.com. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the show, at least to Jews and a Gentile. We're talking about Hanukkah and Christmas. I don't know if you guys remember this game show where it was enter and sign in, please. You remember how you had to state your name and what you do? I think it'd be appropriate if you guys just take a little bit of time right now and just uh, introduce yourself and, and frame the way you want to, what you do, and, and, and how you're serving. Great. Okay. Uh, my name is Matt Fry. I uh, serve as a missionary with Chosen People Ministries. So much of my uh, work is oriented towards ministering to and reaching the Jewish community with the good news about the Messiah, Jesus. Uh, and as part of that, I am the lead pastor of a church community uh, that is called Grafted. And our vision is to cultivate a family of Jews and Gentiles in Messiah Jesus. And so it's uh, creating a church family uh, that is oriented to, uh, towards uh, uh, creating a hospitable space for Jewish people and seeing them brought into relationship with the greater body of Messiah. Now, Matt, you realize I couldn't have spit that out myself. Well, that's, you that's, could try. Now. I, I could have, but <laughs> you did that so beautifully and framed it so well. Aaron Broughton. Yes, I'm Aaron Broughton, and I am the pastor of Victory Baptist Church of Maple Grove, Minnesota. And uh, our family served in Jewish ministry for about 25 years, had a chance to serve in Tel Aviv uh, for over six years, and actually even beyond that with just different uh, uh, connections that way. But uh, kind of one of our big focuses at our church is to really have a heart for the Jewish people, for our community. And uh, it's not just me leading it. Our people are actively engaged in loving the Jewish people and praying for them. And uh, I'm proud of our church folks and uh, proud of these guys here around the table as well. Just uh, good, good fellowship. Trevor Rubenstein. 
Yeah, I'm a uh, evangelist to the Jewish community. Um, I uh, oversee Chosen People Ministries here in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Actually, it's in the greater Minnesota area. Um, and uh, yeah, what I primarily do is uh, help to reach Jewish people to share with who Jesus is, to help the church to understand um, a lot of the Jewishness of Jewishness of its history and its background. Um, we serve the greater Jewish community, often helping out with different projects and any way that we can. Um, and also, uh, it's, uh, it's it's really a blessing. Uh, we uh, I'm I'm married to a wonderful lady uh, named Kelsey. I wanted to put that in and make you guys look bad. <laughs> and uh, and we have two wonderful kids, and uh, so it's a blessing to serve the Lord in that manner. Thank you, Trevor, and thank you for bringing up your wife. And I'm on this side of you, so yeah. Now you have an opportunity. Yeah, I'll be redeemed. <laughs> I'm Tom Berkowitz. I'm the executive director uh, for a ministry, The Messianic Journey. We teach the Bible through Jewish eyes in the context it was written. We work with and collaborate with chosen people on many projects, but we're out there trying to uh, teach and promote that this Bible was written by 43 Jews and a doctor, and modern scholars have now come to the conclusion that Dr. Luke was also a Greek-speaking Jew. So we do that. We take people to Israel through uh, a ministry. I'm on the board of directors, Together for Israel, Scott Volk. He's been on this show yes, a couple has. times. So we work there, and we work with him to help Jewish and Arab believers in the land, especially during this time of war. So that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that, gentlemen. Uh, maybe we can talk... And Oh, go I ahead, Tom. Say, so I don't get one up by my brother, yeah. Trevor. Uh, my wife, Marsha, <laughs> is the president of our organization. All right. The Messianic Journey. <laughs> I, right, I got to say, the, my wife, Matthew. <laughs> Matt and I, we love our wives and kids too. Right? We do. <laughs> we do. Yeah, 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 we're we're also going to be in the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, maybe we could talk about some facts about Hanukkah that listeners may not be aware of. I mean, what are some uh, facts? I mean, isn't it. Isn't doesn't Hanukkah celebrate two distinct miracles? Uh, yeah, well, possibly, possibly. Uh, yeah. Okay, so is that a is that a fact or is that just uh, maybe something that I I I read on the internet? Yeah. So, like, was I think clearly expressed earlier um, by the other gentleman is the 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 candle lighting uh, right. miracle is, is most is is very questioned. Um, when you read the book of Maccabees, so, uh, so this is another, I guess, fact, right, is, uh, is we have books in the Apocrypha that deal with the historical account of Hanukkah, and, and those are the books of the Maccabees. First Maccabees is actually probably written to Jewish people living in the land of Israel. Kind of really the way that they're written, that both books are written, is, is a means of kind of explaining why the ruling party was ruling during the time that the books were written. So, so the, it was explaining the justification for this priestly class ruling in Israel. And, uh, and so the, the first Maccabees is really written to people, as I said, within Israel. Second Maccabees more, more likely to Jewish people living in diaspora to explain that. 
But within the within both of the books of Maccabees, it does not explain anything regarding the candles. Okay. Um, so uh, so it's historically we really don't have that record per se. Uh, although of course a menorah would have been lit in accordance with dedicating the temple, and so we know that 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 is part of it. But even the section that Tom quoted, which is uh, or spoke of, which is out of First uh, Maccabees chapter four, talking about the defiled stones, um, we read about that within within the historic context of it. Mm-hmm. To me, the, the one great miracle is Judas Maccabees had about 300 men. He went up against an army of 10,000. I mean, they didn't have uh, jet planes. They didn't have artillery. It was a war of attrition, and that math doesn't come out. So it had to be a miracle from God that they defeated the army. I think a fun fact that we have about modern celebration of Hanukkah is we eat uh, oily foods during that time. (laughs) And so uh, we have latkes, which are like uh, potato pancakes, which I described to someone recently as like Jewish hash browns was probably the best way Mm -hmm. I could do it. Uh, and then, uh, our kids eat ketchup on it. Yeah, I do. Some people do sour cream. Some do applesauce is a good one. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, jelly donuts is the other thing that we have. So when we just did our Hanukkah party, we had way too many jelly donuts and, uh, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I think everyone gained a couple of pounds, yeah. but it, it was a good celebration. No, no matter as an athlete in training, you did not have one, correct? None. Not okay. Even, no, right, ooh, I probably a... had at least. I think before it started, I had a whole pack of donut holes. <laughs> <laughs> how that was uh, Daniel up all night from a sugar high? Danny, uh, he wasn't. I only gave him a little bit, if I recall. So Danny's my son, in case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I appreciate that. Um, are there greetings that are appropriate for Hanukkah? One common greeting in Hebrew is uh, Chag Hanukkah Sameach. I'll slow it down a little bit more. Chag which is like holiday, Hanukkah, which is Hanukkah, and then Sameach, which is like happy. So it's like a happy Hanukkah holiday. It's the literal <laughs> translation. So try to break that down. So, But if you want to just say happy Hanukkah to your Jewish friend and neighbor, is very appropriate. Um, I think one thing that's interesting uh, as we connect with our Jewish community, the fact that you even mention that is a, a big blessing mm-hmm. uh, to share that, that you know even a little bit about it. Uh, maybe even through this uh, this program that we're doing is just going to help our, I'm thinking for our Christian friends that are listening, to be a, a better uh, witness and encouragement to the Jewish people, especially in this uh, hard time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's amazing that uh, our family, we light a Hanukkah in our home, for example. The kids love it. And uh, and also we have a, a few questions every once in a while from a neighbor. Like, yeah. what's going on? So it, it really opens up to some conversation. We're going to do that tomorrow night with some friends uh, messianic fellowship at our house. But the the thing that I like to, to point out is the servant candle, the shamas. <laughs> and that is such a, a good picture of what we're called to be. And we're mimicking or following in the footsteps of Jesus because he is the servant. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. And that's what we're called to do. So the shamus candle, the servant candle, is the one that lights the other candle. And without Jesus, we don't have a light. With him, we can become the light of the world. We can become salt and light. 
that Jesus as the shamash candle, the, John 1 says, he is that light that lighteth every man that cometh in the world. So he does that in a spiritual way. This is a great picture. I think one thing in our, in fact, our church is doing a Hanukkah party tonight. Um, and the idea that we're we're doing this, it, it's really an amazing um, testimony for us to, to, again, share that light of the world through us and uh, to glorify God uh, through that. So, gentlemen, do menorahs come in all sizes and shapes, uh, or is there one size that everyone should have? And uh, when is the menorah lit? What time of the day? Is it um, at the same time every day? Well, a menorah for Hanukkah, uh, like we said, it's called a Hanukkah. It, it, in terms of setup, it will always have nine candles with eight for the days and then one for the Shamus candle, the awesome. one in the middle. But as far as design... I mean, there's all kinds of different uh, ways that they come about. I mean, I know at our house right now, we have kind of a tiny one at our party on uh, last Friday. We did a larger one when we did the candle lighting. And so people like to create and and take uh, different artistic liberties uh, with designing them. I mean, literally, if you just... This sounds bad to do, but go on Amazon and search Hanukkah Menorah and you'll find all kinds of different ones. Trevor, do you know, uh, there's a question for you, is there uh, in the uh, more orthodox community, maybe one of you guys knows this, uh, is there uh, more of a preference in terms of design and expectation? Doesn't seem to be from anything that I've seen before. Um, What what you might notice is uh, in more orthodox communities, maybe they might be a little bit more traditional. Sure. Um, where you people might be a little bit more free wheeling, I guess, outside of that mm-hmm. uh, with the design and what things state. And uh, I mean, I just saw a uh, Hanukkah uh, yesterday where where it actually had the word Hanukkah written underneath it with the <laughs> peaks of the letters being candle for each, and you know, just different creative ideas that people will have for those. The traditional menorah that we read about in Scripture is actually seven. Uh, has seven branches to it, and so it's different. Um, actually, the the term menorah uh, s- specifically refers to the seven branched um, uh, candle, but uh, and ha- that's why we we kind of keep referring to Hanukkah because it's a Hanukkah menorah, uh, and it has two other branches uh, referring to the amount of days in which the holiday celebrated. Mm-hmm. And you said, is it, are they lit at a certain time? I think was a question that you asked, Bill. Usually sundown. Sundown. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually when the candles are lit, and then there's specific prayers that are stated and thanking God, and uh, um, and yeah, it's a beautiful celebration, really a time of kind of remembering what happened. Something that's beautiful about a lot of the Jewish holidays is so much of it has to do with remembering the miraculous intervention of God mm-hmm. and how he preserved us as a people. And we see this similarly in Passover, for example, but we have... We have a, a general statement that goes like this for most Jewish holidays. It's uh, There's a pattern that we follow, right? That uh, they tried to kill us. We survived. Let's eat. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Hanukkah is similar, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a little break. You're listening to at least two Jews and a Gentile. We're talking about Hanukkah and Christmas, and we are uh, loving this discussion. And if you uh, have any uh, questions or comments regarding it, you can always uh, text them over 877-933-2484 and we will always put them in the mailbag and hopefully answer them uh, when we can. But thank you for uh, tuning in. We're going to take a short break and be right back. It's 
Welcome to the show. So glad to have my friends here around the studio table. At least two Jews and a Gentile. We have a full house today. We have Matt, we have Aaron, we have Trevor, and we have Tom. We're talking today about Hanukkah. You know, I've seen it spelled so many different ways. Is there a wrong way to spell Hanukkah? There's a <laughs> trivia question about this. We I did just, this. Yeah, I asked this question at the, the last uh, event. I think the answer was that there were 16 ways to spell Hanukkah. So if you guess... I think that the odds are in your favor that you'll get at least close. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and why is it spelled so many different ways? It's because we are we trying to translate yeah. a Hebrew sound. That's that's exactly yeah. what it is. Okay. And and actually, it, there's a funniest thing, Bill. Sometimes, like if you're in Jerusalem, uh, some of the streets, uh, the names will be listed in both Arabic, Hebrew, and English. And as you're going down the same street, you'll actually see the English name spelled differently on the same street as you're going up because there's not an exact way again to transliterate English or Hebrew into English. Mm -hmm. So are, are gifts exchanged in Hanukkah and they've, have they always been given? Has that just been a tradition from the beginning? They are exchanged. Um, the, I guess the traditional expression would be to give like one gift each night. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, you know, where during Christmas, sometimes it's a concentration, a gluttony of gifts this is kind of uh, uh, the trickle in effect of pacing uh, yourself. Yeah, yep, you're yep pacing materialism. It's good, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it hasn't always been done. It, it's not a it doesn't go back to the beginning, but it right. is an interesting tradition. My oldest daughter, when she was in college, we'd bring her the Hanukkah gifts, and one a day, they all got open the first day. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, being. In in my family, uh, the gifts that we would receive for Hanukkah might be like socks one day, underwear the next. It was uh, it was not the most exciting gift giving for us, as I remember. <laughs> mm -hmm. Although it, that's that was of course just our family. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just talk about the 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 dates of Hanukkah. Now it's was is it December seventh through December fifteenth this year? Do I have that right? Yeah, this or year it is. It's the twenty fifth of Kislev. That it starts. Okay. That, does it fall on the same days every year? No, not if we're looking at our calendar. One of the tricky parts with the Jewish calendar versus our calendar, which is, you might say, like the Gregorian calendar, uh, is that the Jewish calendar is lunar, right? So it follows the dynamics of the moon, uh, where our modern-day calendar is not. And so uh, the, you know, the Jewish calendar, many of the feasts, many of the holidays – are oriented around uh, the seasons, right? And so what happens is if you try and sync up our modern-day calendar uh, with the ancient Jewish calendar and you just keep rotating it, uh, because one is lunar and one is solar, uh, the dates for the Jewish holidays will shift. And you don't want that to happen because you don't want to be having like a spring uh, festival in the winter because it shifted so much. And so what the rabbis did uh, is in a span of, I think it's 13 years, of seven of those 13 years, they add an extra month to the year. So we have a leap uh, mm. leap day, I guess you could say, sometimes in our calendar. Uh, they have a whole leap month in theirs. Uh, and so the, the reality is, is when you're looking at the dates of Jewish holidays, 
in our modern day calendars, uh, there's kind of a, a wavering effect where they will sometimes be a little bit later and sometimes they will happen a little bit earlier, but they're generally within kind of a span of a couple months. Mm-hmm. This year we uh, landed uh, in Jerusalem or in Tel Aviv uh, at the airport on May 14th, which is the 75th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation on the Gregorian calendar. But they actually celebrated almost three weeks to almost a month earlier on the Hebrew calendar. And so mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, that's the shift. But the 25th of Kislev, which is the, the Jewish month, is when Hanukkah happens. So sometimes that kind of shifts around a little bit. But it's usually in this kind of winter season is when it, it kicks in. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are there uh, certain uh, Hanukkah songs that are sung during Hanukkah, just like a Christmas song? So we pull them out at Christmas time and sing them. Are there songs you pull out at Hanukkah and sing them? Well, not in my household. I have a voice only a shower likes. <laughs> that went down the drain. <laughs> well, you're good. good. There, there are some. Anyone want to name some? Well, I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay. And when it's dry yeah. and ready, my dreidel I shall play. I don't hear you singing it, Aaron. I just hear you speaking it. <laughs> there are some. There's that. There's a dreidel song. There's... Um, there's kind of a classic Hanukkah song. There, there's a song called Mautzor, which means Rock of Ages, uh, that, that's sung. Uh, we sang a song called uh, Mi Yimayel, uh, which, was, uh, which was also good, but a, a lot of those were uh, in Hebrew with English translations. And so it was, it's kind of entertaining when you have a congregation of people who are Jewish and not Jewish to watch them try and keep up with I the bet. Hebrew, and then sometimes English kicks in, and they all start singing. So... so um... I appreciate that. That's uh, interesting. Are there different traditions within families regarding Hanukkah? I'm like, if you ask people who celebrate Christmas, they'll say, well, what's your tradition? Well, we do everything on Christmas Eve. Other people do everything Christmas Day. Are there traditions within uh, Jewish families that say, well, we do it this way, you do it that way? Or are you relatively consistent throughout the eight days? Uh Jewish people and consistency, I think, are words that don't go together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, there's, the, of course, the menorah is, is fairly universal in the celebration. Um, today, in America, at least, gifts are, are a, a pretty universal component to the celebration. Um, but there are elements, you know, families might get to, might gather together on some days and not others. Typically, the first day is the one that's uh, most largely celebrated, but, uh, you know, because it's eight days, people could gather on other days, so similarly to what you're saying. And, and interestingly, Bill, uh, some of the Christmas traditions even um, spurred some of the Jewish traditions. So, uh, so some Jewish people actually will have a Hanukkah bush, for example. Sometimes they'll design their homes with blue and white lights. Uh, might be a thing that occurs. So, uh, so there are there are different traditions. Different families, of course, keep Bill. I think one thing that's uh, noteworthy in, in many of the Jewish holidays, uh, I like to say it this way: whereas the center for Christianity is the church. The center for Judaism is the family, the home. And so you have a lot of traditions like Passover, for example, uh, or even Shabbat. Yeah, there are synagogue services that take place, but it's you come for a Shabbat dinner because mama said so. You know, you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to get on her bad side. And the same thing for Hanukkah, Passover, you come together in the home, even Sukkot, you come together and you go in the backyard and you fellowship. And so there's a very tight bond 
uh, that's within Jewish families for this. Right. If you ask a rabbi how big is his congregation, he'll say 500 families or 600 families. You ask a pastor and he'll say we have 1,500 members or 1,000 members. Mm-hmm. Just a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Are there uh, public lighting ceremonies? Um, and where would you go to see one of those? Uh, they do do them. Um I know that when you, if you're driving near St. Louis Park right now, the Chabad uh, has a huge menorah, uh, Chanukiah, uh, that is uh, lit, that every day has been keeping track. I think they, did they do a public lighting? Do you know, Trevor? I, and I know that uh, some of them that were traditionally done, Bill, unfortunately, weren't because of fear of uh, anti oh for, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so some some around the cities have continued, some have uh, have not, and uh, that's the unfortunate uh, mm-hmm. reason for it. I, th- I think I saw something recently to where uh, in Poland, for example, uh, they, one of their um, uh, their political leaders determined that he was going to uh, use a fire extinguisher to put out a menorah that they had put up out of an anti-Semitic uh, comment mm-hmm. that he made. So. Um, so public Jewish events today, Bill, are unfortunately uh, much more difficult. Yeah. They yeah. do happen, though. There are some public sure. lightings. Yep. When I grew up, when I was in Florida, different time, you'd, uh, it would be a lot warmer out during the Hanukkah season. Uh-huh. We would do a public lighting, and I'd make the cotton candy. I remember those days. Yeah, it's usually a, it's usually a, a Jewish organization called Chabad that uh, puts those together, typically. And they're, all, they're all over the country. All right, we're going to take a little break and be right back. You're listening to... Uh, at least two Jews and a Gentile. We're talking about Hanukkah and Christmas, mostly Hanukkah. We'll be right back. How about make a wonderful commitment to yourself this year by reading through the Bible, maybe not even once, but maybe twice, Say things to yourself like, I am going to create a new habit that maybe I have not had in years, and I'm going to commit to it, and I'm going to stick with it. You've always said you wanted to, so how about make it this year where you do it, spending more time in God's Word, and you can do it, and we can help. So all you have to do is get your Bible in a year plan right now, and you can do that right over at myfaithradio.com. Welcome back to the show. We are talking to at least two Jews and a Gentile. There's three Jewish believers here today. There's Matt, there's Trevor, and there's Tom. And our Gentile friend is uh, Pastor Aaron Broughton. So religiously uh, speaking, uh, is Hanukkah as weighty as Christmas? Explain weighty. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean we think of Christmas. Well, I want to talk about Christmas now. Mm-hmm. But Christmas is, that is like such a incredibly huge celebration for Christians. It's the birth of our Savior. He's arrived on earth. He's left the elite status of heaven, and here he is. Um, so I'm thinking that is a, such a, of incredible significance. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and actually, uh, to to answer the question, Hanukkah is, uh, is one of the um, least, I, I would guess, uh, as far as most Jewish communities are concerned, um, important of the holidays. While, while there's incredible importance to it, it's not one that was prescribed by Moses. Okay. 
Um, and so because it was not prescribed by Moses, it has a, a much a, a much less of a religious emphasis, more of a family emphasis. Okay, thank you for bailing me out, Trevor. Yeah, no, absolutely. You absolutely bailed me out. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's something that also lined up with Christmas, and so really it became larger because Jewish people living in Christian communities um, then would have something that they also could celebrate uh, and uh, and so it became a more it became a greater emphasis. Interestingly, uh, probably built to your point, um, it, it's a it's a the holiday that most Gentiles probably know about from more than any other Jewish holiday, maybe with the exception of Passover. Um, but to the Jewish community, is it's not as important. But the reason it is so important is because of like to your point, how heavily emphasized Christmas is amongst the Christian mm-hmm. community. So let's talk about Christmas to Jewish believers. Well, to the point that Trevor made earlier, without Hanukkah, there would be no Christmas. So therefore, I mean, every Jewish believer should celebrate what (laughs) the birth of Jesus. I mean, I don't think he was born on December 25th, but be that as it may, that's a day they designated. And I think it should be celebrated to its fullest. Yeah. I would even go and, as far as saying that Christmas, if you really think about it, it's a it is a Jewish holiday. Mm-hmm. It's yes, the it culmination is. of the prophecies going back to Adam and Eve, Genesis three fifteen, go through the prophets, and here's the culmination in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and here is his birth. And so if you look at Hanukkah and Christmas, it really is the central idea, the main theme is simply this, that God keeps his promises. He is faithful. Amen. That's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it, Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is not a Christian, as Scott Wolk's book would go. It, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He is. And the lights on the tree, uh, the lights in the house, the telling of the story, I mean, I would think that every family is going to read from Luke and read from Matthew the Christmas story. And I think that's important because it gets the biblical root deep into our hearts and our spirits. So we're grounded not in tradi- uh, not in secular tradition, but in biblical promises. Mm-hmm. The great miracle. Can I be a little controversial here, Bill? What, what, Trevor? <laughs> I said, can I be a little controversial? Oh, of course you can. Of um, course you can. So, uh, why get ready to hit uh, the edit button? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Bill. Well, uh, of course, the birth of Jesus is a immeasurable, important event in world history. Um, when I came to faith, Bill, I, I didn't come to faith through any type of uh, re- Christian religious tradition. Uh, I came to faith out of reading the Bible and believing it's true. And uh, and so my expression of that was not necessarily in uh, in recognizing historic Christian traditions, but just simply wanting to do what I read in Scripture. And so I didn't really have a context for religious celebration of the birth of Jesus on December 25th because I didn't get that from reading the Scriptures. Um, so uh, so I really don't. It's not something that's emphasized in my home. 
Um, it's uh, of course the birth of Jesus is something that we find very important, but the the uh, the specific celebration of Christmas on that event, it, it's I I didn't come out of a Protestant tradition to where where we were protesting something out of the Catholic Church. I, I came simply through reading the Bible and believing that it was true, and so so we really don't in my home actually celebrate Christmas. But it has such a symbol, Trevor. I mean, it opens up conversations. You know, is this is this just a, a secular tr- celebration, or is this something that's important to you? And why do you do it? And for churches, man, it's one of the two times a year a lot of people come. You get a shot at them. Mm-hmm. You get a shot at them for the truth. I'm wholeheartedly behind it. And I got to tell you, my wife and my children love it, and we we do read the scriptures. We do understand what it is. It's more than a secular holiday to us. So mm-hmm. I'm wholeheartedly behind it. Mm-hmm. What about it, you, Matt and Aaron? Uh, I know, we, Aaron, I, I don't have to ask you. <laughs> Let me ask Matt. We we uh, we do it in our home. We have just some family uh, traditional stuff that we do. And for me, my story a little bit being a little different than Trevor's was Christmas that that whole season with with half of my family being Gentile and kind of nominally or or, or practicing Catholic like that was always kind of a, a thing in the background for me growing up uh, and so when I became a believer when this season rolled around that was some of the most meaningful uh, spiritual reflection for me to the point where uh, I was most moved and sometimes still am most moved by Christmas hymns. I think they have some of the best theology in all of music. Uh, and so there, there's something special about this time. And I think Tom's right, that people are uniquely open to spiritual conversations this time of year. While the, you know, in the Messianic world, in the Jewish believing world, um, there there is some controversy around uh, convictions about whether we should celebrate Christmas on December 25th or, or not or some other time of the year. Uh, the reality is inherently uh, that I don't think that there's anything wrong with setting apart a time of the year to remember the birth of Jesus. Obviously not. And so mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of people, it's a, a matter of conscience, as we might put it, using that category in Scripture, right? It's uh, why are you doing it? If you're celebrating the Christmas season so that you can give a ton of presents, well, maybe you need to think through your motives a little bit. But if you're taking the time, like like Tom was talking about within his home, to reflect on on Jesus coming, that this was uh, the time where we remember that in history God took on flesh in order to redeem his people, I think that there's a lot of value to that. Mm, so good. That's all the time we have. I just wonder if we're missing opportunities. If I put a, a menorah in my window, my neighbors might go, I didn't know you were Jewish. I go, well, I'm not, but I like to celebrate the roots. You worship the Jewish worship Messiah. The Jewish Messiah, yeah. yeah. So, That's great conversation. Yeah. yeah, always looking for opportunities to have conversation. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I love this segment, and I love being with you guys. You're just so wise and um, uh, full of joy. And thank you very much for uh, saying yes to this um, invitation. So Matt, Aaron, Trevor, Tom, thank you. That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow.
Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.